Welcome to Man Talk, the podcast that's normalising the conversation about men's mental health. I'm your host, Jamie Day, and you can find me on Instagram at a day in the life dad, and you can hear more about my own mental health journey in series one of Man Talk. This show is made in support of the Movember Foundation, who are changing the face of men's health and fund life-changing and groundbreaking mental health projects around the world. You can read more about these over Movember.com. Man Talk is sponsored by Mojave's, who produce footwear for time well spent. Anyone who knows me or has followed my journey online will know how much I love the brand and their products. Their messaging really promotes me time, unwinding and self-care, which we all know with the challenges of everyday life is so important for our mental health. So thank you, Mojave's. This week, I'm in London with Natalie Pennycock Collier. Natalie is a game-changing mind coach and sleep expert and one of the few performance mind coaches who work in an elite sport looking to change the mental well-being of athletes, but is also a working clinical therapist. Natalie has a unique experience in the human performance space and crucially has a powerful personal journey from despair into resilience. She's a survivor of teen trauma and suicide attempts, plus she's overcome PTSD and clinical depression and has since become a top professional coach and frontline mental health therapist and campaigner determined to share performance wellbeing for the many, not the few. During this episode, Natalie details lots of the incredible work that she does, but there's a wealth of information still to be explored. To find out more about Natalie, find her on Instagram at Natalie underscore performance mind coach, plus visit her site mindtonictherapy.com, where you can read about Speakers Collective, her school's mental wealth program called Karmarama, her sleep expert role, her campaigning, and her future workshops and retreats. Here's Man Talk. Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on to Man Talk. Um, obviously, we've been following each other on Instagram for probably a couple of years and yeah, been aware of your what you've been up to in terms of the mental health space. Thank you. I'm, I'm honoured that you're on, 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 the, uh, on the show, so thank you so much. But um, do you want to just introduce the kind of stuff that you do? And Yeah, of course. And I'm actually happy to say that, um, you know, I, I, always, I always find this the difficulty because you always want to get across your clinical qualifications and your education. But actually, really, for me, uh, you know, I feel I'm one of the lucky ones because what I do in essence across the week and weekend, day in, day out, is actually get to hold the space for perhaps vulnerable people that have been prone to relapses in depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And perhaps um, from a clinical referral point of view, I work alongside GPs in Bromley where I live, they haven't responded to first line treatment in psychiatry. Or perhaps they're already taking SSRIs, but actually they also want to learn a more conscious way, a more integrative approach to how can I have a more dualist approach to my whole self. So yes, medication, but how can I learn to relate to my mind? So I guess for me, um, I'm, I'm less about calling myself the mind coach and performance well-being. I'm just holding the space. Mm-hmm. And that's a real privilege because whether I work two days a week in clinic or Fridays with GP or being the hypno sleep and well-being expert or working in performance sport with athletes, what it actually means is I get to listen, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe have contact on a real one-to-one basis with perhaps a hundred people at least a week or whether I give a talk in an organization and people have been a bit shy and they still feel stigma and shame. They come up to me afterwards and say, thank you. I came to hear about sleep <laughs> and how I can support my mental health that actually really resonated and I'd really like to share with you that I've been struggling for a really long time, whether in the workplace yeah. um, or, as a, or as a parent or maybe a teen athlete with, with body image. So 
Um, yeah, it's always difficult to pinpoint. And I guess that's the challenge for me, on, certainly on Instagram, which is the only social media space that I'm on because I'm really conscious about my time and energy as a mother too. Um, is to is to really define. I've got quite a broad audience. Mm. <laughs> so as I said, I'm I'm just a human being, and I'd say I'm one of more than the handful. Um, it's a very just, big, it's a big hand. It's <laughs> a big hand. All right, but it's it's a big hand, a couple of big hands. But actually, there's so many people. You know, I really, really, really feel since I came on Instagram two years ago that there's a real movement and a real energy, mm. particularly in the male space as well. People like you, this, you know, just last week, you know, the Football Association, yeah. Heads Up, FC Not Alone, there's so many, uh, maybe coming from the sporting space as well, people trying mm. to shine a light on yeah. mental health. I think sport and men's mental health is such a key area because, you know, things like football and rugby, it's such a male-dominated space, but men, that that's kind of like what they're being programmed be interested in and also sure. that's a place where they feel relaxed and that's also the place where they might then open up so that is true yeah. and actually i admitted to you off uh, off air a short moment ago i actually found that a really useful play i i i use that connection elite sport and performance and mental health mm. <laughs> to bring new communities together yeah. and it's certainly true that um, you know often if we've got a, a mental health awareness week or I get tapped up on LinkedIn saying oh hi we're trying to put this together and I say thank you so much within the workplace but let me consult with you afterwards because one week is not enough yeah. <laughs> this is what we should be doing day in day out but it is also true, you know, it, and, and it's a real shame, but we're both trying to do something about it, that it's often only through the medium of sports performance that certain people feel confident enough to engage yeah. and say, actually, yeah, it's, it's about the whole me and what happens after sports performance and when my performance dips, which, hey, we're human beings. <laughs> it yeah. does. So, yeah, so, so I guess for me that's one of the, the biggest spaces and certainly where I get more contact with mm -hmm. young male athletes and that for me within a kind of Team GB space or I'm the new mental health consultant for Snowsport England, I'm designing their whole programme from, you know, performance coaches all the way down to grassroots level. You know, what's going on for the, the athlete, amateur athlete at age 12 who's showing talent but also being bullied at school? Yeah. Because he may or may not be academically bright, but he's yeah. also got this other, um, you know, time, energy output. You know, how do I train 10, 15 hours a week, but also worry about my sexuality or yeah. have space for that, my mental health, peer pressure, yeah, social yeah. influence, social media. Yeah. You know, it's a loud space now for a, yeah. young, a young male. As, as I've mentioned before on a couple of my podcasts, I, I actually believe that teen boys is a key time to you know really delve into their emotional well-being yeah. and dealing with so much going on in their lives of puberty and sex and sexuality and you know peer pressure drugs drink exactly. pressures of school it's so much going on image <laughs> image and boys traditionally just you know are they going to be bullied if they open up you know mm. there's that there's so much on a boy's mind obviously there is for girls as well but in terms of the boys you're dealing with through what you do yeah through you find, schools yeah, find all this well that's why um, I, I should probably say that's why I have two different names obviously in a more corporate setting under mind coach 
um, and my very long double-barreled name. But actually, Kamarama, the reason that Alter Ego came about, was for the last three or four years, I've been commissioned by you know all schools, but certainly some of the grammar schools in Kent, where there's huge peer pressure. And there was a real space for talking to year 10, year 11, sixth form boys, yeah. you know, young adults, about what do you want? What's going to resonate with you? And, and I'm sorry to say, when I first started off doing school presentations four or five years ago, and, you know, conveying this incredible emerging mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and mindfulness research, I just got rolling eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about breath work, you've really, the real art form for me, and I really haven't got this nailed, this is the exciting part for me, week in, week out, is... How can we really take this exploding research, some of the incredible self-care discipline that we can all adopt that's actually free when it comes to sleep, meditation, and make it cool, make it mm, relevant. Yeah. And what we really need is more young male role models. <laughs> yeah. You know, we need more voices and it's not my voice that resonates. All I can do is hold the space and try to shape that in the best way that I can so that they digest it and they relate to it and that's that's you know that's always the challenge i think we spoke about earlier you know i have my own um experience of depression anxiety ptsd and you have yours ours are not the same very personal <laughs> at all and you know the symptoms of inflammation in the body and mind there's incredible new research in neuroimmunology professor edward bullmore has done a few podcasts about this recently that actually the inflamed mind is is so perhaps causative of depression and relapses later on so we already know in the nhs that actually one of the strong indicators for serious mental health illness is a disruption in your circadian rhythm so young males and their sleep mm -hmm. and of course we already know you know I won't mention any brands, but gaming and social media and the explosion of technology and staying up yeah, later yeah, yeah. is obliterating our sleep and yeah. rest and recovery time. So for me, when it comes to trying to engage, and I'm only trying, uh, I haven't got all the answers, but when it comes to engaging teen, male, athletes and human beings, it's how can we make it relatable to them? And how can we give them the tools, the self-help tools to say, actually, this is what's going on in elite sport. What happens when we present this day in, day out for people every day, whether that's in the school space, acad academia, or whether that's in you know, youth sport initiatives as well. Um, but that also requires the coaches, perhaps a different generation, mm -hmm. to really have that experiential learning of depression and anxiety and the full spectrum of mental health and mental illness, two completely different things. Um, it's, and that's the challenge. So my work is huge. I mean, the challenge is huge. You're right. I mean, it just there's the different spectrum as well of like, as you say, like there's the generation above yeah. us. Yeah, of and we're kind of in the middle where we're kind of making a change, hopefully yes. in time for when this next generation come through. Yeah. Mental health won't be such a stigma, you know. Yeah. Um, well, it, it won't. It really won't yeah. for this generation, but it's just about the generations that are just mm. in between that space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're completely right. So when you speak to these schools, especially obviously boys' schools, yeah, is there much, obviously you said it's quite hard to, you know, <laughs> uh, stop their eyes rolling and, you know, resonate with them, but is there much conversation amongst the boys or are they kind of holding back because of 
peer pressure and embarrassment? Well, the nicest um, nicest opportunity I get, and this is certainly if I hold a um, evidence-based mindfulness group, and that's why I trained in MBCT, which hopefully we'll get to talk about maybe in the podcast, but certainly in the show notes, is actually having a small group environment, ideally eight to ten. And of course, we can do a whole assembly. Mm. So you're not standing up in front of listening. 200 kids. I am. Oh, you are, right. I am, okay. and often at 8.40 when I haven't yeah. been asked to. And of right. course, we know from sleep research that, you know, cognitive function hasn't even started in boys they're just waking up and teens in general i start off with that and that's the first line of engagement but then actually i always if i work with any school or any sporting organization i say before we talk about anything can we just survey and listen confidentially what is troubling you right now Mm -hmm. you know is it panic attacks what are the real things that you really would like to know how to manage better and actually when you approach it from a listening point of view bottom up and then present some solutions and research that's always you know a collaborative process is the best way forward (laughs) we don't always have that opportunity but i always find when we have a smaller group and it's the same with the research for um, you know, my evidence-based mindfulness courses that are traditionally at least eight weeks long is that you need to take people on a journey. They're not always comfortable opening up at first, but when you hear from other human beings yeah. about the human condition of depression and anxiety, not feeling so well in yourself and mental illness too, the full continuum yeah. of mental and physical health, then people start to open up. But it yeah. takes time, and time is what we don't always have the luxury of. I think we've, I've talked about this on a couple of other podcasts, is that when someone does open up about their mental health, mm. they're seen as strong. Mm. It's not a weakness. You know, people will sit there and they will listen to you and think, my God, this person is strong, being, you know, this open. Do you think that is the same though for a 14, 15 year old boy? depends probably on, on, on how they're received where it's happening it should be of course it yeah. should be and i would see it as a huge sign of courage yeah. against adversity and that means that you don't you're not exempt from stress self-doubt anxiety it's just that you can still speak up yeah no matter what um and of course it should be but i i don't think it always is certainly you know the challenge for for me in particular and this is why i've addressed this across snow sport across all the disciplines and and paralympians too is how to create that space quite early on where it's perceived in that way and it's valued Mm. in that way and that doesn't mean fixing problems it allows people to just be wherever they are in that moment because it's showing up in your mind or body anyway so, so the real essence for me in, in all the different types of therapies, but you know, therapy is very different from mindfulness to allowing mm. and just holding the space. So two different camps that I operate in, I think it's, it's really important that we get those messages across, that it is strong to share your personal story. And it might not mean that you've got the answers yet, but mm-hmm. just your way of coping, of relating, of existing within the space yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, in terms of moving away from team boys, in terms of elite athletes that you yeah, deal with, of course. are you finding that the men that you deal with, because there's such an impact around their body mm. and their physicality, the impact of like, I don't know, injuries or mm. the end of their career and the impact on their mental health, what kind of things are you dealing with there? 
Well, it's all linked, as you yeah. said. You know, there's huge impacts in terms of self-imagery and self-esteem because mm. actually that that covers the full spectrum. You know, how do you feel at any given moment? And when so much of your life has perhaps historically in elite sport been around time, <laughs> performance, and and the end goal, and a useful metaphor that when we're, we're now using in some of the circles that I operate in is equivalent to climbing K2 one of the more difficult uh, 8,000 meter climbs. And actually the, the death rate for anybody attempting to challenge this is around 30%. Oh my God. And it takes 42 <laughs> days to even get there. Yeah. And the strength for, for people is an incredible documentary recently. And we're trying to shape this in some of the projects that I'm doing is it's not about reaching the summit. You know, what is the entire athlete journey? So it's much more in the preventative space mm -hmm. <laughs> now trying to look at the holistic whole lastly. So from the very start of your journey, how can we address these issues and these pressures and these feelings yeah. um, and listen to them, <laughs> you and know, and just, and just kind of normalize them along the way. But of course, that doesn't, we don't always get the opportunity if somebody's at the end of their career or if they're mm. on a different generation. Um, but certainly some of the projects that I'm doing now are much more in the preventative space. And a lot of the athletes, I think um, you'll certainly see this year, I've been working with Snowsport England and curated Snow More Stigma, an, an awareness campaign within Snowsport. When I spoke to some of the GB athletes, winter sports athletes, you know, Red Bull athletes too, they said, oh, I've never seen the sports psychiatrist. Oh no, it's a rabbit hole. And I said, what? You're doing like quadruple corks. Like, excuse me, how can you... Oh, yeah. Like, it's so fearsome. But it's so unrelatable historically, traditional psychiatry, um, and, and certainly in medicine. So it's really, how can we take this knowledge and this research and these, these application of these tools that are so beneficial, yeah. but the art form is making it relatable to that particular person. Yeah and where they are in that particular time. Yeah. What's going to resonate with them. And this is not, just, this is not across sport, this is across yeah, exactly. all mental health, yeah. you know, and mental illness, yeah. Which is why we need more voices, yeah. and which is why I think um, we spoke earlier, and I, hopefully you're going to get an opportunity to meet with Johnny Benjamin, being part of the Speakers Collective. Yes, tell us about Speakers Collective, which has just been launched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we, we, I'm really proud to say that uh, one of the founder members, but it's been going on since last year, and I got approached, you know, there's, there's certainly more than a handful of enough of us speaking in this space, in mental health, awareness, campaigning as well. There's so many voices. Who's looking after us? <laughs> you know, yeah. managing our energy, it can be so challenging as a therapist, a campaigner in this space, continuously giving. I could spend all day, all hour of every week giving mm. a podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or writing a blog for somebody and often yeah. for free as well because yeah, yeah. you want to share these experiences and, and your expertise and knowledge. Um, so it's been really interesting for me that actually there's a real movement of everybody uh, uh, really respecting deep self-care and looking after each other, but also being accountable. So making sure that the quality of this campaigning and mental health and the things we're talking about, mm. um, we are knowledgeable, we are accountable, and we're using the right clean language and not just adding to stigma and you know generalization of mental illness. Hundred percent. So, so the speakers collective. What exactly yeah. do you, as a group of as a collective, what do you actually do? Well, we're, we're certainly meeting on a regular basis, uh, and and also having that direct messaging social media. We are doing CPDs. So we're, we're whatever 
whatever any of us are doing, we're trying to champion and support okay. and understand as well. But it really just is a collective yeah. of self-care. Yeah. Um, but also, as I said, a quality standard so that people, organizations or anybody wanting somebody to talk about mental health really knows that what we're talking about, um, we've done CPD training, we all have supervision. So it isn't just your opinion yeah. and just only your experience, which can be really valuable, but we've got to be really careful. You know, we could be triggering somebody yeah, with uh, um, perhaps an undiagnosed mental illness that hasn't come about yet. And it can be just in that moment. So making sure that we either um you know when we're giving a talk we say that you know actually some people might not be clinically trained this is just a broad area of research and a personal experience so just being really accountable to that and i think certainly in the wellness i really hate that world but certainly in instagram i think much more of that is needed for sure there's mm. so many people giving uh, perceived clinical advice um i think we've got to be really careful in this space yeah i can't um can't leave this podcast without having a bit of a deeper dive on the long shadow that depression can leave yeah. <laughs> that people have to live with and choose to live with so for me you know I really want to celebrate some interesting research and there's a book that I'd really like to champion I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him yet but Professor Edward Bullmore so the inflamed mind you know for me in the last five ten years the profound work from my what's driving my kind of clinical expertise but also the talks that I give mm. is a much more integrative approach there is no just living only in your head and in western medicine certainly in the last 50 60 years that that has been separated and thankfully now eastern influences are coming into the NHS and western medicine a much more dualist approach so it might be that I'm helping um, a guy with chronic fatigue syndrome or actually arthritis yeah. quite young or maybe later on in in their years yeah. you know but they also have depression and anxiety but actually when they go and their symptoms they're treated just down one track and of course we know psychiatry um, physiology but also gps have such different tracks of training and so for that for me is why i operate in this more private space i obviously lead group sessions of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And I think I'd like to talk more about this in the show notes, certainly. But for me, the beauty of this is just holding the space and gathering a group of eight to 10 males together. And that inquiry, which for each two hour meeting, we have at least 40 minutes aside from meditation and shared experiences about inquiry. Right. And inquiry means people get to listen to the very felt sense and experience of what does stress in you feel like? How does it manifest? How does it show up? And it's when people learn from each other that it becomes much more relatable and you move towards the space of making friends with your mind, mind and body, rather than it seem to be this kind of dark shadow yeah. aspect that we want to get rid of and fix. Actually, when we encompass it all, no matter what, the light and dark, and begin to make friends with our mind. And that takes time and a journey, of course. Um, but that, for me, is the real essence and the beauty of um, my work at the moment, and certainly in the last 20 years, MBCT, 
you know, the evidence is, is profound. And particularly in the preventative space, you know, let's be honest, we do know from research and clinical setting that if you've had a major depression, de- depressive episode before, you're 30 to 40% more likely to have those recurrences. And so if we know that, what can we do about it? How can we work with you? Mm-hmm. And you might or might not want to be on SSRIs. You might not be able to tolerate them. You might not have found the right GP and the right diagnosis for you. So the space that I'm in is a much more integrative approach. So really simply, you know, how, how can we use sleep? <laughs> sleep, well-being, burnout preventative space, managing our energy too, and also some conscious cognitive training every day. So whether that becomes maybe 10 minutes of mental skills or focus to breath, this is the kind of work that we're bringing into elite sport from a really, really young age, but across the program, training everybody what is it we can do mm-hmm. no matter what it's not about fixing it's about preventative and supportive so that no matter what's going on you've got your best way to start or end your day so that you feel more in control a bit more resilient nobody can control their mind yeah. <laughs> it's this absolute crock of crap the mind is a, a wandering beast of yeah, exquisite yeah. nature um but actually the more we can be unafraid and learn out for you where is stress showing up in your body what are the symptoms how can you listen to those messages from your body whether it's a, a start um, of your sleep being disrupted maybe it's a racing heart just that first sign of anxiety and kind of heat in your body and your chest where it shows up yeah it's different for me it's often my throat which is what prevented me from speaking and giving talks or certainly from thinking that I could. It was a limiting belief kind of 20 years ago, early on in my career. And now I've pushed past that. Um, I find that it's at least 60 to 70% of my work. And I'm really glad that I was able to face that fear and respond and just say, it's just a signal, you know? And, And when you start to relate to your own depression and anxiety, what are the early symptoms? What is that? ruminating thought track what is the start of it for you the more intuitive and in tune you can be really creating that space whether it's 10 minutes before you go to sleep or 10 minutes when you wake up perhaps really disrupting your life saying no matter what i just know i need to spend three hours outside every day yeah can be utterly transformative so there isn't a real prescription there's just a much more curious approach and that's what i love about the mindfulness space let's stop being so afraid and be a bit more curious about how depression anxiety stress burnout how it shows up inside you not just your mind but in your body in in, also inside of your autopilot reactions so can you create space where you step outside of autopilot and just attend to your breath work you know, it can be really unpopular, and I love doing a deep dive with teen athletes, particularly young guys that massively roll their eyes when we talk yeah, about yeah, breath work. Yeah. And we say, actually, it's the, it's the massive inroad into your neurology. It's the, it's the direct track that you can influence your parasympathetic nervous system. It's almost like a dial down yourself. If you learn two or three breath techniques, that you really relate to and that's for free let's do a podcast on breath Uh, breath honestly (laughs) please I'd really like to because it's all about the free things that people can do you can sprinkle them throughout your day or they can be your emotional band-aid when actually guess what no matter what I'm still suffering Mm. and I'm still struggling and I'd like to end to say 
I'm always incredibly truthful and honest about my own mental health journey and I've, I've experienced the full spectrum, to say the least. Um, I was 40 this week, but actually early on this year, um, in early 2019, I had a, a major car accident and for a number of reasons, perhaps burnout too. I don't know why, but all of a sudden, boom, really debilitating panic attacks resumed service <laughs> and my instant reaction was to really go into striving mode to say oh gosh I can't do this I've got a, a speech you know god and you know even my husband said but Natalie you're the mind coach you meditate and there was this real pressure to mm-hmm. really fix things to make them go away so I approached my clinical supervisor who's Dr. Patricia Collard she's amazing by the way happy to celebrate her she just appeared on Instagram <laughs> and she's a 30 year psychotherapist and she laughed at me because I said Patty please I, ne- I need a session with you I first take a week off work um, I don't know what's happening to me but it's it's immense in its power of how quickly I felt that I started to unravel my breath rate changed and I said to her you know, can I get a session with you? And she said, Natalie, why do you think you're immune? Just because you're a meditation teacher, you're a, a therapist. And I was trying to look for a solution with her, how to, how to resonate with this and how to make it stop. And she told me a story that made me laugh out loud because, of course, I would never associate myself with the Dalai Lama. But she said, Natalie, the Dalai Lama, one of the most holiest than now people, beings on this planet that meditate, didn't eat for three days when his dear friend, Dr. Martin Luther King passed. And that just goes to show you, no matter how much you spend time in rest and digest mode no and calm mode, no, no one's immune to human yeah. suffering. Yeah. So she said, why do you think you're exempt? And she just laughed out loud at me and then offered me a session. So, you know, it's the same for me too. It's conscious daily effort, paying attention to those messages in my body, managing my energy, managing my sleep, rest and recovery and spending time in the meditation that works for me or simple attention to breath all of this is free to do yeah and i really hope we can share more of these techniques on the podcast yeah we, we will yeah i mean they sound fantastic so aside from breathing techniques and, and yeah. things like that is there sort of the first steps and what you would take if they're suffering with their mental health what would you advise them <laughs> to go and see somebody expertly trained some tell somebody you care about first and foremost but also at the same time tell somebody that you know that has been clinically trained in what you may or may not think you're suffering from but you've got to talk about it Mm. and you've got to admit it and share it with no stigma and no shame and seek help and it's that collaborative process it's the same for athletes it's never just one voice it's a number of voices and people in your community seek that village for yourself and don't let it go and keep it going you know mental health isn't something just like physical health oh i can bench press you know 20 Mm. kgs so i'm done it's the same with mental health we've got to pay this daily attention and when we do it can be I'd be really transformative. Yeah, I think it's so important to have not just a family member or GP, but if you've got, if you can get a little team around yeah, you to exactly, support you. Yeah, exactly, that village, a community, you know, friends, you know, and people of different generations too that you can relate to and that you can, the more honest you can be, the more powerful. Yeah. And I'd even say, you know, it, it, if you're a parent or not, a journey, you know, I'm really honest, my children are six and eight, and I love trying to curate that narrative 
within mm. them. Often my daughter comes home and she's really struggled with friendships, etc. And she'll say, oh, mommy, I felt really stressed today. And I said, oh, how do you know that? So it's really curating that conversation. Mm. And she'll say, oh, I felt funny in my head. Oh, where else? And then putting some language around that. And, and I said, that's okay. You just had a wonky day. And yeah. she laughs. She says, what's a wonky day? And it's just normalizing that people yeah. have wonky days. We don't stay in flow state. We don't stay in premium, optimal mental health and energy all day. Such a myth. Yeah. So to be unafraid of going on that wave throughout your day, no matter what you're training, um, we're just human beings trying to do the best we can. <laughs> now, thank you so, so much for speaking with me today. I think what you said has been incredible and hopefully very helpful to anyone who's listening. Thank you so much. Gosh, it's just the start and I really hope we can work together and just illuminate some of, you know, it's all about the, the free, curious, open-minded ways, no matter what is going on for you right now and the diagnosis or the challenge, there is still some things that you can learn to do how you respond mm -hmm. and to live more fully day to day, moment to moment. And that's what I really love about the anti-fixing mode of mindfulness. Yeah. It's just allowing people to just be and more in the acceptance space rather than striving to be you know, away from the past or wanting the future to be. Those ruminating mind moments we know <laughs> Um, a, a hugely traumatic for people in depression and anxiety and, and add to suffering so the more we can learn the three simple ways that are beneficial for us as an individual the better and create time to give those so thank you for letting me on I'd no. love to teach you more about meditation and mindfulness and breath do. work um, yeah. at a later date yes we will 100% do that thank you so much thank you and if you want to um, follow any more of the work that I do um, if you want to connect or engage with me on, on DM it's um, Instagram at Kamarama it's the only social media space that I'm on because I'm conscious of my time um, so I do my best to you know share the work that I'm doing and some of the free techniques that we can all benefit from which is certainly better attention to sleep rest and recovery and the mindfulness space thank you so much thank you thanks again to the show sponsor Mojave's who produce footwear for time well spent check out mojaves.com to see their products and you can use the code MANTALK with no space or capitals to get 10% off. If you're struggling with your mental health, please reach out to someone you know, your GP or a charity such as Calm or the Samaritans. Help is out there. Thanks again for listening and take care.